Book One, Chapter Four of the Mystical City of God, Volume Three, by the Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Agreda. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book One, Chapter Four. At twelve years of age, the child Jesus goes with his parents to Jerusalem, and he conceals himself from them in the temple. As I have said, Mary and Joseph repeated their visit to the temple at the Feast of the Unleavened Bread every year, also when the divine child was twelve years old, and when it was time to allow the splendors of his inaccessible and divine light to shine forth, they went to the temple for this feast. Luke chapter 2 verse 42 This festival of the unleavened bread lasted seven days, according to the command of the divine law, and the more solemn days were the first and the last. On this account, our heavenly pilgrims remained in Jerusalem during the whole week, spending their time in acts of worship and devotion, as the rest of the Jews, although on account of the sacraments connected with each of them, their worship and devotion was entirely different and greatly exalted above that of the others. The Blessed Mother and Holy Joseph received during these days favors and blessings beyond the conception of the human mind. Having thus spent all the seven days of the feast, they betook themselves on their way home to Nazareth. When his parents departed from Jerusalem and were pursuing their way homeward, the child Jesus withdrew from them without their knowledge. For this purpose, the Lord availed himself of the separation of the men and women, which had become customary among the pilgrims for reasons of decency, as well as for greater recollection during their return homeward. The children which accompanied their parents were taken in charge promiscuously either by the men or the women, since their company with either was a matter of indifference. Thus it happened that St. Joseph could easily suppose that the child Jesus had remained with his most holy mother, with whom he generally remained. The thought that she would go without him was far from his mind, since the heavenly queen loved and delighted in him more than any other creature, human or angelic. The great lady did not have so many reasons for supposing that her most holy son was in the company of St. Joseph, but the Lord himself so diverted her thoughts by holy and divine contemplations that she did not notice his absence at first. When afterwards she became aware of her not being accompanied by her sweetest and beloved son, she supposed that the blessed Joseph had taken him along and that the Lord accompanied his foster father for his consolation. Thus assured, Holy Mary and Joseph pursued their homeward journey for an entire day, as St. Luke tells us. As the pilgrims proceeded onwards, they gradually thinned out, each taking his own direction and joining again with his wife or family. The Most Holy Mary and St. Joseph found themselves at length in the place where they had agreed to meet on the first evening after leaving Jerusalem. When the great lady saw that the child was not with St. Joseph, and when the Holy Patriarch found that he was not with his mother, the two were struck dumb with amazement and surprise for quite a while. Both, governed in their judgment by their most profound humility, felt overwhelmed with self-reproach at their remissness in watching over their most holy son, and thus blamed themselves for his absence. For neither of them had any suspicion of the mysterious manner in which he had been able to elude their vigilance. After a time, they recovered somewhat from their astonishment, and with deepest sorrow, took counsel with each other as to what was to be done. Luke chapter 2 verse 45 The loving mother said to St. Joseph, My spouse and my master, my heart cannot rest, 
unless we return with all haste to Jerusalem, in order to seek my most holy son. This they proceeded to do, beginning their search among their relations and friends, of whom, however, none could give them any information or any comfort in their sorrow. On the contrary, their answers only increased their anxiety, since none of them had so much as seen their son since their departure from Jerusalem. The afflicted mother turned to her holy angels, those that carried the escutcheons inscribed with the most holy name of Jesus, of which I spoke at the circumcision, had accompanied the Lord, while the other angels still remained with the purest mother. This was the order maintained whenever the sons separated from the mother. These, who numbered ten thousand, she asked, saying, My friends and companions, you well know the cause of my sorrow. In this bitter affliction, be my consolation, and give me some information concerning my beloved, so that I may seek and find him. Canticles chapter 3 verse 2 Give some relief to my wounded heart, which, torn from its happiness in life, bounds from its place in search of him. The holy angels, who, though they never lost sight of the Creator and Redeemer, were aware that the Lord wished to furnish his mother this occasion of great merit, and that it was not yet time to reveal the secret to her, answered by speaking to her words of consolation without manifesting to her the whereabouts and the doings of their Lord. This evasive answer raised new doubts in the most prudent lady. Her anxiety of heart caused her to break out in tears and sighs of inmost grief, and urged her onward in search, not of the lost drachm, like the woman in the gospel, but of the whole treasure of heaven and earth. Luke chapter 15 verse 8. The mother of wisdom then began to discuss within her heart the different possibilities. The first thought, which presented itself to her, was the fearless Archelaus, imitating the cruelty of his father Herod, should have obtained notice of the presence of Jesus and had taken him prisoner. Although she knew from the holy scriptures and revelations, and by her conversations with her most holy son and teacher, that the time for his passion and death had not yet come, and that the king would not take away his life, yet she was filled with dread at the thought that they should have taken him prisoner and might ill-treat him. In her profoundest humility, she also had misgivings, lest perchance she had in any way displeased him by her conduct, and therefore deserved that he should leave her and take up his abode in the desert with his precursor, St. John. At other times, addressing her absent love, she exclaimed, Sweet love and delight of my soul, thou art impelled by thy desire of suffering for men, and by thy immense charity to avoid no labor or pain. But on the contrary, I fear, O Lord and Master, that thou seekest it on purpose. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7. Whither shall I go, and whither shall I find thee, light of my eyes? Tobias chapter 10 verse 4. Dost thou wish to deprive me of life by the sword of severance from thy presence? But I do not wonder, O my highest good. Thou chastisest by thy absence her who did not know how to profit by thy company. Why, O my Lord, hast thou enriched me with the delights of thy infancy, if I am so soon to lose the assistance of thy loving instruction? But woe is me, since not being worthy to retain and enjoy thee as my son, I must confess, that I am obliged to thank thee even for the favor of condescending to accept me as thy slave. 
if the privilege of being thy unworthy mother can be of any avail in finding thee my god and my highest good do thou o lord permit it and make me worthy again of finding thee so that i may go with thee in the desert to sufferings labors tribulations or whatever thou wilt my lord my soul desires to merit at least in part to share thy sorrows and torments to die if i do not find thee or to live in thy service and presence when thy divinity hid itself from my gaze thy amiable humanity at least remained and although thou wast austere and less kind to me than thou hadst been i could throw myself at thy feet but now this happiness is taken away from me and i have lost sight entirely of the sun which enlightens me left only to groans and sighs ah love of my soul what sighs from the inmost of my heart can i send thee as messengers but I am not worthy of thy clemency, since my eyes find no traces of thee. Thus this sincerest dove persevered in her tears and groans, without cessation or rest, without sleeping or eating anything for three whole days. Although the ten thousand angels accompanied her in corporeal forms, and witnessed her affliction and sorrow, yet they gave her no clue to find her lost child. On the third day, the great queen resolved to seek him in the desert, where St. John was, for since she saw no indications that Archelaus had taken him prisoner, she began to believe more firmly that her most holy son was with St. John. When she was about to execute her resolve and was on the point of departing for the desert, the holy angels detained her, urging her not to undertake the journey, since the divine word was not there. She wanted also to go to Bethlehem, in the hope of finding him in the cave of the Nativity, but this the holy angels likewise prevented, telling her that he was not so far off. Although the Blessed Mother heard these answers, and well perceived that the holy angels knew the whereabouts of the child Jesus, she was so considerate and reserved in her humility and prudence, that she gave no response, nor asked where she could find him, for she understood that they withheld this information by command of the Lord. With such magnanimous reverence did the Queen of the Angels treat the sacraments of the Most High and of his ministers and ambassadors. Second Book of Maccabees, Chapter 2, Verse 9 This was one of the occasions in which the greatest of her queenly and magnanimous heart was made manifest. Not all the sorrows suffered by all the martyrs ever reached the height of the sorrows of the Most Holy Mary in this trial, nor will the patience, resignation, and tolerance of this lady ever be equaled, nor can they, for the loss of Jesus was greater to her than the loss of anything created, while her love and appreciation of him exceeded all that can be conceived by any other creature. Since she did not know the cause of the loss, her anxiety was beyond all measure, as I have already said. Moreover, during these three days, the Lord left her to her natural resources of nature and grace, deprived of special privileges and favors. For with the exception of the company and intercourse of the angels, he suspended all the other consolations and blessings, so constantly vouchsafed to her most holy soul. From all this we can surmise what sorrow filled the loving heart of the Heavenly Mother. But, O oh, prodigy of holiness, prudence, fortitude, and perfection, in such unheard of affliction and sorrow, she was not disturbed, nor lost her interior or exterior peace, nor did she entertain a thought of anger or indignation, 
nor allow herself any improper movement or expression, nor fell into any excess of grief or annoyance, as is so common in great affliction with other children of Adam, who allow all their passions and faculties to be disarranged, yea, even in small difficulties. The mistress of virtue held all her powers in heavenly order and harmony, though her sorrow was without comparison great, and had pierced her inmost heart. She failed not in reverence and in the praise of the Lord, nor ceased in her prayers and petitions for the human race, and for the finding of her most holy son. With this heavenly wisdom and with greatest diligence, she sought him for three successive days, roaming through the streets of the city, asking different persons and describing to the daughters of Jerusalem the marks of her beloved, searching the byways and the open squares of the city, and thereby fulfilling what was recorded in the Canticles of Solomon. Canticles, chapter 5, verse 10. Some of the women asked her what were the distinctive marks of her lost and only son, and she answered in the words of the spouse, My beloved is white and ruddy, chosen out of thousands. One of the women, hearing her thus describing him, said, This child, with those same marks, came yesterday to my door to ask for alms, and I gave some to him, and his grace and beauty have ravished my heart. And when I gave him alms, I felt myself overcome by compassion to see a child so gracious in poverty and want. These were the first news the sorrowful mother heard of her only begotten in Jerusalem. A little respited in her sorrow, she pursued her quest and met other persons who spoke of him in like manner. Guided by this information, she directed her steps to the hospital of the city, thinking that among the afflicted, she would find the spouse and the originator of patient poverty among his own legitimate brethren and friends. Matthew chapter 5 verse 40. Inquiring at that place, she was informed that a child of that description had paid his visits to the inmates, leaving some alms and speaking words of much consolation to the afflicted. The report of these doings of her beloved caused sentiments of sweetest and most tender affection in the heart of the heavenly lady, which she sent forth from her inmost heart as messengers to her lost and absent son. Then the thought struck her that since he was not with the poor, he no doubt tarried in the temple as in the house of God and of prayer. The holy angels encouraged her and said, our queen and lady, the hour of thy consolation is at hand. Soon thou wilt see the light of thy eyes. Hasten thy footsteps and go to the temple. The glorious patriarch Saint Joseph at this moment again met his spouse, for in order to increase their chance of finding the divine child, they had separated in different directions. By another angel, he had now been likewise ordered to proceed to the temple. During all these three days, he had suffered unspeakable sorrow and affliction, hastening from one place to another, sometimes without his heavenly spouse, sometimes with her. He was in serious danger of losing his life during this time, if the hand of the Lord had not strengthened him, and if the most prudent lady had not consoled him and forced him to take some food and rest. His sincere and exquisite love for the divine child made him so anxious and solicitous to find him, that he would have allowed himself no time or care to take nourishment for the support of nature. Following the advice of the holy princes, the most pure Mary and Joseph betook themselves to the temple, where happened what I will relate in the next chapter. Instructions given to me by the Queen of Heaven, Most Holy Mary. My daughter, 
By oft-repeated experience, mortals know that they do not lose without sorrow what once they have possessed with delight. This truth, so well established, should convince men what little love they have for their God and Creator, since among the many who lose Him, there are so few who heartily grieve at this loss, and thereby show that they have never possessed or loved Him with a love flowing from grace. Just as they fail to grieve at losing the highest good, which they do not hold in loving possession, so they also fail to seek after their God when they have lost Him. But there is a great difference in the manner in which men lose sight of their highest good, for it is not the same to lose sight of God for the purpose of being tried in virtue and love, and to lose sight of Him in punishment for sins committed. The first is a contrivance of divine love, and a means of communicating itself more abundantly to the one that longs for it and merits it. The second is a just punishment for outrages committed against the divinity. In the first kind of absence, the Lord humiliates the soul by holy fear and filial love, leaving it uncertain whether it has not given cause for his withdrawal. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 Although its conscience does not reprehend it, the loving and ingenuous heart knows its danger, feels the loss, and thus, as the wise man says, is blessed. Ecclesiasticus chapter 9 verse 1 For it then lives in constant fear and dread of such a loss, knowing that man, until the end of this life, is uncertain whether he deserves love or hate in the sight of God. During their mortal existence, the just man and the sinner commonly share the same good and evil lot without much distinction. This is the great evil which the wise man mentions as among the happenings under the sun, that the impious and the wicked harden their hearts in their malice and false security, seeing that the same mishaps befall both themselves and others, and that no one can tell with certainty who are the chosen and the reprobate, the friends or enemies of God the just or the sinners, who are worthy of love and who of hate. But if men would dispassionately and without deceit appeal to their conscience, it would answer each one truthfully what he should know. Luke chapter 12 verse 58 For when it cries out against sins committed, they would be foolish not to attribute the evils and adversities to themselves, or to fail to see themselves forsaken by grace and deprived of the highest good. If their reason were unbiased, the greatest source of misgivings would be to be unmoved by the loss or by the cessation of the spiritual joys of grace. For the want of this misgiving in a soul created and destined for eternal happiness is a strong indication that the soul neither desires nor loves this happiness, and therefore it is a sign that it does not seek it in earnest, so as to enjoy a well-founded prospect of once possessing the highest good. For thou must remember that this well-founded assurance of having not forfeited it in this mortal life can be attained by all faithful souls. I was deprived of the bodily presence of my most holy Son, but although I was in hope of again finding Him, yet in my great love, the uncertainty as to the cause of His withdrawal gave me no rest until I found Him. In this I wish that thou, my dearest, imitate me, whether thou lose him through thy own fault, or by the disposition of his own will. So great should be thy dread of losing him through thy fault, that neither tribulation, nor trouble, nor necessity, nor danger, nor persecution, nor the sword, neither height nor depth, should ever withhold thee from seeking after thy God. 
Romans chapter 8 verse 35. For if thou art faithful as thou shouldst be, and if thou dost not wish to lose him, neither the angels, nor the principalities, nor the powers, nor any other creature can ever deprive thee of him. So strong are the bonds of his love and his chains, that no one can burst them except thy own free will. End of chapter 4